last week, we stepped into deep water. The deep water of some of Jesus' most challenging teaches, teachings. Today we continue through the Sermon on, on the Mount, this portion of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, into much more familiar waters. We're back to the Jesus we expect, a man whose message is love. Among the teachings of Jesus that are identifiable in the greater culture, this is one of the best known. Turn the other cheek. This teaching may not be popular. It sounds like it encourages us to be doormats. It might not be commonly applied. Not many of us, after we're hurt, allow ourselves to be hurt again. It might not be something we can even hear. The phrase is so familiar, I think it has lost its punch, pun intended. But if we stop and listen, this passage is every bit as challenging as last week's. Give to everyone who begs from you. Do not resist an evildoer. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And then the doozy. Be perfect. We talked about this idea a bit last week, too. We live with immense pressure to be perfect, to have perfect grades, perfect job, perfect relationships, the perfect body. There's this great Regina Spector song called Folding Chair, uh, in which she sings, <laughs> you know this one, <laughs> she sings, I've got a perfect body. I'm not going to sing like her because she's got an amazing voice. But, uh, <laughs> but she says, I've got a perfect body, though sometimes I forget. I've got a perfect body because my eyelashes catch my sweat. Yes, they do. <laughs> the human body is absolutely incredible. I know we forget about this, but it is. Every square inch of your skin contains 20 feet of blood vessels, 4 yards of nerve fibers, 1,300 nerve cells, 100 sweat glands, and 3 million cells. If your finger was the size of the planet Earth, it it has such sensitivity that it could tell the difference between a car and a house. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Did you know that uh, your tongue is just as unique as your thumbprint? So basically, you've got got your own unique tongue tongue print. We could be doing TSA tongue prints. (laughs) Um, I've got just a couple more, just because it's so amazing. (laughs) So good. I couldn't couldn't win doing them down. I did try to pare them down, but this is what I got. Approximately 50,000 cells in your body will die and be replaced with new cells during the time I've read this sentence. (laughs) What? Resurrection. Um, All right, one more. One more doozy. This one's a little more (laughs) pertinent to our, our topic today. In one hour, your heart produces enough energy to raise a ton of steel three feet off the ground. Human heart, 
Love it. Our bodies are amazing. However frustrating they may be from time to time, we should appreciate them, be kinder to them, and train them in the best possible ways. And to maintain our bodies, we have to challenge them. Some of us do that through yoga. There's a shameless plug for our Tuesday evening yoga here at St. Mike's, 6.30. Be there and be awesome. Uh, every summer, um, my brother-in-law comes up with like a physical challenge for uh, the, the, the athletic folks in our family to do. Um, a few years ago, we did a 26-mile trail run in Kauai. Uh, last year, we went climbing in Wyoming, in Wyoming in the Wind River Range. Um, and this summer, we're going to cycle up a volcano in Maui. Um, and every year, gearing up for these things, I have to like train my body, right? Uh, in a few months, I'll start riding up uh, the ridge to train for this Maui ride. But we don't take on these demanding physical endeavors out of the blue. Likewise, we have to train our hearts. We prepare them to take on the challenges ahead. We don't just love our enemies out of the blue. That would be like standing up right now and running a marathon. You can do it. I bet many of us could do it, but it will be hard. We are not dressed. We are not prepared. Instead, we work our way up to it. We dedicate our thoughts to loving others, to loving ourselves, and most importantly, to loving God. It is from that latter relationship that we gain the strength to meet the other demands. In our work training in the Jesus way, we take on the God love life, a life identified by the flavor, by the scent of God's love for us in everything we do. Every week, we symbolize this in the Eucharist, in communion, in the simple act of eating bread and drinking wine, we become what we call the body of Christ. As Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body on our earth but ours, no hands, no feet but yours. We've heard that bit, but check out this next little, little stint. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless his people. As the body of Christ, we participate in divine perfection. Be perfect as God is perfect. It doesn't mean be perfect on your own. It means become one with the divine source and find that eternal love that perfects the world. At the heart of today's passage, there's a question. How does being a Christian differ from being a decent member of society? Jesus calls us out on this. He asks, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more do you do than others? Donald Trump loves those who love him. Kim Jong-un 
Many of these people love the people that love them. What makes Christians different is the extra mile. It's the willingness to become the body of Christ, a body that is perpetually self-sacrificing, but the proof is in the pudding. Do we go that extra mile? Can we love those who cause us harm? Are we identified by this love? They'll know we are Christians by our love. There's a sister passage to, to this gospel passage today. It's from Paul's letter to the Romans. Maybe you've heard it before. It's Romans 12. Uh, Paul's challenge to outdo one another in showing good. He says, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This may not be the common perception of Christian behavior. But it is the measure. My good friend John Helmier is a Methodist pastor up in Seattle. He has two kids, a few months uh, younger than mine, and a a wife um, with whom I went to, to seminary, and these are very close friends of mine. On the evening of December 12, 2011, John was part of a civilized protest that was uh, one manifestation of the Occupy movement. His protest was part of an effort to bring awareness to the low wages of workers in the ports of the entire West Coast, including Seattle's Port 18, which is where they were protesting. Shortly after the gathering began, police moved in to violently disperse the crowd. During that time, John was caught on video wearing his collar and yelling, keep the peace, repeatedly. As he called out for peace, an officer grabbed him from behind and threw him to the asphalt. I'm going to read a little bit from what he wrote about the next couple of minutes. He said, between my cries of pain and shouts of, I am a man of peace, the officer pressed my knee, his knee to my spine and immobilized my, my arms behind my neck, crushing me to the ground. With the right side of my face pressed to the street, he repeatedly punched the left side of my face for long enough that I had time to pray that the crunching sounds I heard were not damaging my brain. I was cuffed and pulled off the ground by a different officer who seemed genuinely appalled when he saw my face and clerical collar. He asked who I was and why I was here, to which I replied, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe another world is possible. He led me shaking to a police van where he began a 12-hour journey of incarcerated misery. When John was released from jail, he immediately sought to connect with the officer who beat him. With his face face swollen and scarred, he made a video reaching out to the officer and to anyone who could put them face to face. He gave interviews with local and national media. He shared his story and his request for a conversation with the officer, with everyone he could. And instead of the forgiveness that John sought, he was bombarded with attacks on his character and misinformation about his intentions. Mind you, John is one of the kindest people I know. 
His calm, jovial demeanor belies rapier sharp wit. He has two Ivy League degrees, he's a pastor of a thriving church, and he was the victim of a blatant crime, yet he was belittled and accused when all he wanted to do was seek reconciliation. Eventually, John dropped his search and went on with his life, but occasionally people asked him, whatever became of that situation where the cops beat you up? Uh, These people wanted some tale of triumph or redemption or at least a good old-fashioned revenge story. He was constantly advised to, quote, sue the pants off them. Out of of his concern for justice and reconciliation with this officer, John tried pursuing the Seattle Police Department's Office of Professional Accountability. They offered to have John meet with other officers, and they said they would investigate the case and get back to him in a few months. 180 days later, he got a letter saying the OPA found the case inconclusive and were closing the file. John looked to prosecutors, uh, like city attorneys, but because those people depended on their work with the, dep- the police department, because of that relationship was, was crucial to their work, they would not touch a case of police brutality. Finally, in pursuit of both justice and reconciliation, John filed a civil lawsuit Um, The officer still refused to meet with John, and John and his family had to watch as that officer lied under oath. But it was a blatant lie. The next day, the city called John to make an offer of settlement. It would have padded his pocket, but had no effect on the officer or the police system as a whole. So John turned it down. Eventually, he won his case, and the officer was held accountable, and John was awarded money. But John was not out for revenge, he was out for reconciliation, so he donated the money from that lawsuit to an organization that helps reform within police groups, and a chunk of the money to Mothers for Police Accountability. None of the money did he keep for himself. After being beaten with his face to the ground, after having his reputation tarnished, John gave his money and his time and his prayer toward loving the very person who had hurt him and the people they could potentially hurt. That is the Jesus way. That is our training. Amen.